0: Come on, let's tap into that same flow that's been here all weekend. Come on, there is something very deep in this house. Sing that Jesus. Jesus 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 Well, can we clap our hands for Jesus everybody? He's the reason why we're here Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah
1: Hallelujah
0: Jesus. Jesus. I told somebody last night when they were praying in the altar, I just saw... Something on them. They were perplexed. They were like, when's this going to lift? And I walked up to that young lady and I said, quit waiting for it to lift. Because what's going to happen this weekend's not going to lift. One elder preacher came up not too long ago in a congregation somewhere. And he got up there and he said, here's what we're going to do. Let's pray for Jesus to come back right now. Everybody got nervous, got, grabbed their kids, grabbed their purse, their money, their wallet. Got nervous. But I believe in this service and the services prior, we're all to acclimate us, climatize us for that glory that will be revealed. And what's about to happen in this house and what has happened previous in these services, it's not going to lift. And tonight in this service something is going to happen that will not lift because it is the final season. And then we're going to meet him. Amen. Amen. But I do feel I have a word from the Lord, and we'll tap into that same flow. Thank you, everybody, for allowing me to be here. If you're up here, you can stand all you want, or you can find your seats or your place in the body. But if you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter thirty-eight. Oh, leave me! I thought I was doing good with the music. Now, no, I'm your kid. I'm kidding. No. Genesis chapter thirty-eight. While you're turning there, I want to say thank you to everybody for allowing me to be a part, just a very small part of what God is doing amongst the Antioch. It's not just a name, folks. Amen. But I'm thankful to be a small part and being a part of this launch, this... Uh, this is part of prophetic fulfillment that I get to be here. Um, but that you're in this season and what God's doing. I'm, I'm just thankful. I'm little old me. Gets to be a part of what's God's doing here. Amen. So I'm thankful. Honor Bishop, uh, Bishop Wright and Mama Wright. Amen. I didn't get to really see them, but honor them. Honor, give honor where honor is due. Amen. And your pastor, your pastor, I love your pastor, David Wright. Amen. Has a hold on God, but knows how to have fun. We've been cutting up, having a good time. And I can honestly say to you that I have truly found uh, a friend in in the Lord. Amen. Somebody I can kind of look to as a big brother, but it's almost like what God's doing, there's similar things that God's dealing and working with that me and him are running on parallel paths, and it is encouraging to know that you're not alone, amen, amen, and Joel, I got to shake Pastor Joel Wright where he was, I got to shake his hand, amen, how many love Joel Wright, Pastor Joel Wright, amen. Amen. But if you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 38, I'm going to read a few scriptures. And I believe God is going to sweep in this place. And it's just going to kind of happen. It's just going to kind of, if you'll be sensitive to it, there's going to come a spirit of travail in this house. It's just going to kind of sit on us. And that travail's not going to lift till we see what he said. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 38... And we'll start reading at verse 6. Amen. Thank you once again for letting me be a part of this. We had a word last night about these young people up here. The fire fell. And I had them grab each other by the hand. and, And I told them like Samson took those foxes and tied them together. Set them on fire and loosed them into the field. That's exactly what I believe God is doing with this generation. That he's bringing us together. He's going to set us on fire and loose us in the fields. Amen. I'm just trying to check out and see who's going to help me preach tonight. I'm watching you. Amen. Genesis 38 and verse 6. The Bible says, And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. Everybody say Tamar. Tamar. Skipping down to verse 11. Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house till Shelah, my son, be grown. For he said, lest preadventure he die also as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. Everybody say, the father's house. Skipping down to verse 13. And it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father in law goeth up to Timnath to shear his sheep, and she put her widow's garments off from her, and covered her with a veil, and wrapped herself and sat in an open place, she positioned herself, she 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 postured herself for the prophetic, which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Shelah was grown and she was not, everybody say not, she was not given unto him to wife. That's what she was waiting on, hoping for, but it never came. Skipping down to verse 18, And he said, What pledge shall I give thee? And she said, Thy signet, thy bracelet, thy staff, all significant typology and symbolism, signet being the name, bracelet being the gifts, staff being the authority. What, what pledge shall I give thee? And, he, and she said, Thy signet, thy bracelets, and thy staff that is in thine hand. And he gave it her, and came in under her, and she conceived by... Him. Skipping down one more time to verse 27, which the key thought I'll take from this verse 27. And it came to pass in the time of her travail that behold, everybody say behold, that's King James for surprise, surprise, twins were in her womb. I could stop there and just preach a while. Surprise, there's more in you than you realize. Behold, twins were in her womb and it came to pass when she travailed that one, then that the one put out his hand and a midwife took and bound upon his hand the scarlet thread saying this came out first. With that first child tying that scarlet thread which I believe to be identifying the lineage and the bloodlines of Jesus Christ or prophetic fulfillment. She took that scarlet thread, bound it upon that hand that was first extended saying this came out first. This is him. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand. Everybody say he took it back that behold his brother came out and she said how hast thou broken forth this breach be upon thee therefore his name was called phares or breakthrough breaking forth phares and afterward we've had enough breakthroughs but what we need is an afterward moment And afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand. And his name was called Zerah. And from that I would like to preach to you what I feel so very strongly in the Holy Ghost. I want to preach to you about the season of the second travail. The season... Of the second travail. Would you lift your hands to Jesus. And ask him to speak to you as an individual and in a to us as a conglomerate whole that he would acclimate us with revelation and understanding. Father in the name of Jesus God I stand before you I pray only as an oracle Lord God a conduit for your people I pray Lord my human compassion is not enough to release what I feel in this house but I pray let your Your compassion oh God love through me speak through me allow your living word to preach the written word an anointing to articulate revelation. That will acclimate us, climatize us Oh God to the glory that shall be revealed We loose you to be God We loose you to be Lord And I pray let that travail come upon us Let seasons die and seasons be born Tonight in the name of Jesus And I pray it all in the name of Jesus And everybody said in Jesus name Amen. Clap your hands one more time for Jesus. Amen. And if you're going to help me preach tonight, you may be seated. Amen and amen. I love the book of Genesis because it is the seedbed for all principles and prophetic understandings in the Word of God. It is in Genesis that God always planted an understanding and we watch it blossom throughout the entirety of the Word of God. It is in Genesis the New Testament and Galatians says that the Old Testament, the law is the schoolmaster, the teacher, the tutor that will bring us unto Christ. So with that understanding, I I go to Genesis chapter 38, one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible because it contains one of my favorite characters, Tamar. And knowing that Genesis 38, my very first sermon that I ever preached, was out of Genesis chapter 38. And I got up there that day, pastor wasn't there, and and all I knew was I had to preach loud and I had to preach fast to all six of those people. And from that, I'm going to preach tonight, and hopefully I don't have to go that, that fast or that loud and just kind of preach a little bit, okay? Because I know Genesis 38, it has a lot of stuff you don't teach in Sunday school. But I do understand that in Genesis chapter 38, there is a lot of motives and methods that I do not condone, but there is a prophetic underlying layer of grace that I want to pull from Genesis chapter 38. Because God had found a young lady by the name of Tamar. Tamar. Tamar being an unlikely suspect, an innocent party that that married into a family. Just like we marry into a family when we get born of the water and born of the Spirit. She married into a family that had promises and prophecies that were yet to be fulfilled knowing that the Bible said that by... and there, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. God handpicked this young lady Tamar to be a part of prophetic fulfillment and be a part of the lineage and the bloodlines of Jesus Christ but being, being married into this family knowing that God was going to use her to fulfill prophecy and perpetuate that bloodline once she was married in to the firstborn son of Judah we find that she she is widowed and she suffers loss and is devastated by the fact that the one that was supposed to make her a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ, she had lost and she became a widow and now marries the second son and loses the second son after he rejected her. So all a part of the plan of God and being used of God, she suffers loss like most of us have and she is rejected in a Abused and used and left a widow again. But that widow Tamar now, God's not done with her yet. So we find her father in law comes to her and says hey I know you've been through some stuff but why don't you go stay a widow remain a widow but not just anywhere remain a widow at your father's house and she did such being a submissive good young lady she sat down faithful but as a widow in her father's house and he said one day I'll send my youngest son and he'll come and he'll be the father to your child that will perpetuate the bloodline of Jesus Christ. But listen, it was there that she sat faithfully as a widow in her father's house. Can I tell you, you can be in the father's house and be faithful, but not be fulfilled. So I want somebody to understand tonight you may have been faithful all these years in the father's house, but still not have done in you what He's wanting to do through you. So I've come to preach to somebody tonight that Tamar, all of a sudden one day when she was waiting on somebody else for the will of God to be done in her life, something snapped in her and she stood up and said, no longer am I going to wait on somebody else for the will of God to be done in my life. But I'm going to go after what God has And what God will do. When she realized it wasn't going to happen the way she thought it was going to happen, she had to readjust herself and reposition herself and reposture herself. So instead of sitting back faithful in the Father's house, waiting for the will of God to come to her, she stood up. I'm not going to wait on somebody else to get on board. I'm not going to wait on somebody But I'm going to have the will of God done in my life. But there is a very specific thing that she does to reposition and posture herself. Once she made up her mind, I'm not just going to sit back and wait for the will of God to come to me. But I've got to get something in me and I've got to go after what will be instead of waiting. So the Bible says when she stands up, she takes off her widow's garment. She said, I'm going to take off that garment that has so long identified me with my past, with my loss, with my pain, with the rejection, with the loneliness. She said, I'm going to take off what represents what was, and I'm going to put on a veil which represents what will be. Ah. She said, no longer am I going to be a widow and long." Said no longer am I going to be identified by what I've been through, what I've faced, what I've lost. But then she goes and she puts on a veil. Now, there's a lot of debate of what this veil was, but the only other place that this word veil is used in the entirety of Scripture is in Genesis chapter 24, where Abraham, the father, sends his chief servant Eleazar into the land, and he said, go to my father's house, and go find a willing bride for my only begotten son. Eleazar, that chief servant that the father sent to the father's house, Eleazar means comforter. So now we find the Father, Genesis 24. The Father sends the comforter to go into the Father's house to find a willing bride. But that comforter brought some things. Changes of raiment. Gold and silver. So she said, Rebecca, I'll go. I'm willing. And as they were going to meet the only begotten son, the bridegroom, they're on their way riding one camel, but with nine gifts following. They're on their... And on their way to meet the bridegroom, all of a sudden, uh, Rebekah the bride looks off in the distance and sees one in the field coming to meet her. She turns to Eliezer and says, Who's that man that's coming to meet us? And Eliezer says, That is my master. And all of a sudden, uh, she took out the veil. She said, I guess if he's on the way to get me, I might as well dress for the occasion and get acclimated for where I'm going and not where I've been. So God said, before you can be postured in position, you've got to change your garment. And the Bible said, when she put on the veil, the same veil that Tamar would put on 14 chapters later, And when she put that veil on, that garment to acclimate her for where she was going, making ready to be the bride, the Bible says when she put that veil on, that she lighted off her camel. And I don't know if you can see like I'm seeing right now. As I look off in the distance, I see who is that that's coming to meet us. And I'm here to tell you tonight, it is my Master. So it's time for us to take off the widow's garment that we've been identified by our past, our pain, our loss, and what was. But we've got to get ready for what will be. Don't you understand? A widow is driven by memory, but a bride is driven by vision. And we cannot afford afford to be a bride in the planet, a church on the earth uh, that is driven primarily by memory. What God once did and how we once used to have a relationship, but now we fuss and cuss over what we've lost over the years. Because you need a garment for where you're going. Just ask Jesus. He stepped out of glory. He stepped out of majesty. And he stepped into a Bethlehem major. And the first thing that they did was wrap him in swaddling clothes. Quick study. You'll understand that those swaddling clothes were burial clothes that they wrapped that baby in. Why? Maybe they didn't understand. But there was something prophetic that they clothed him for where he was going. Because that cross would have been too heavy to bear if he just showed up one day and said, Oh, you've got to carry the cross. It's your hour of glory. No, it wasn't going to happen like that. God wasn't going to make no mistakes. He said, if you're going to enter in, you've got to be wrapped in burial clothes to get you ready for where you're going. Because it's too much to bear if you're not ready. And that's why when the, when John 21, when Jesus, they heard that he was alive, John and Peter, they took off on a race and all of a sudden, John, John got there first. Outran, the Bible says he did outrun Peter. But John just came to the edge of that, that grave and kind of looked in. But here comes Peter. He said, You might have got here first. But I'm going in. No, you didn't catch that. You might have been here first. But young people, you may have got here first, maybe on the outside looking in, but I believe there's a generation that you may have got here first, but we got a chosen generation that says, I'm going in. Woo! My God. And Mary, she ran their impact. So she ran twice as far. But it ain't about who's been her first or who's ran the furthest. But all it's about is who's willing to go where God wants to take That's right. That's right. My God, my God. I don't want to make men- enemies or anything start me. Well, guess what Peter saw when he went in there? Peter saw what Peter saw when he busted through and went in. All of a sudden, he's seen the same linen clothes lie. Cause Jesus said, I've done what I got to do in these. I'm be arrayed in splendor and clothed in glory. So Tamar takes off her widow's garment, puts on the veil, Says, cause I will. Have the will of God fulfilled in my life And the Bible says that she positioned herself With that veil on She positioned herself in a posture In an open place Where she left that place She came empty But she left carrying the weight Of prophetic fulfillment on the inside of her But guess what And then it says in verse 27 That it came to pass In the time of her travail And that's where we are tonight Because you have been carrying the weight of prophetic fulfillment. You've been carrying this weight of something that will be. And it's been heavy. And you don't know why it's so heavy. But I've got news for you. And it came to pass in the time of her travail that behold, behold, twins, In other words, you've been carrying the weight of more than you've realized because you've got more in you. God's got more invested. He's placed more in you than you realize. So you need to understand that's why the weight's been so great. But it came to pass in the time of travail. We know that travail upon a woman, we know that it does not just affect a part of the body, but it's when the whole body begins to be moved on and the pressure and the, it begins to run in sync to try to bring forth what's been on the inside all this time. And I'm telling you, Antioch, you have carried the weight of the prophetic and you have gone. Oh, You have carried the weight of the prophetic. But God says, it's now time to bring forth what God has placed in you. And the travail began to take place to bring forth. And guess what? It came to pass in the time of her travail. In other words, God was saying, It's time for you to hold in your hands what you've been carrying the weight of all this time. It's time, it's time for this church to look into the face of fulfillment and hold with your hands what you've been holding in your spirit all this time. But here's what the Bible says. It came to pass in the time of her travail that behold, twins were in her womb. And we find the scripture tells us that one hand reached out. All of a sudden, that midwife type of ministry, Says, hey, this is him. Because the prophecy was out of Judah's going to flow the bloodline of Jesus Christ. So they took that scarlet thread, tied it around that hand, and they said, this is him. This is it. And all of a sudden something happened there was a there was something a transition there was a resistance in the womb something happened something shifted and all of a sudden that hand withdrew y'all are quiet and all of a sudden something happened the other brother broke forth the other brother came and that midwife she said Wow. How'd you break through? I've been to some churches. I said, "Why? How'd you have a breakthrough? I got the song leader singing one song, piano player singing another. I said, how'd you have a breakthrough? But the first travail. Was Phares breaking forth, breaking through. But guess what? You can have a breakthrough, but still not have a scarlet thread. You can have a breakthrough, a move of God, a great service where you weep and cry, even a great weekend. Then something happen. Something shift. And then all you have is a breakthrough. But I'm telling you what we need is more than just another good service. We need more than just another breakthrough. But we need a second travail. We need the scarlet thread. We don't need just another move of God. We need the fulfillment of what God said and what God promised. We don't need just another good back to school revival. We need a, a second travail where we can see the scarlet thread or prophetic fulfillment because Zarah was the second. The Bible says afterward there came Zarah. Zarah means not just a breakthrough, but we need a Zarah moment, an afterward moment. Zarah meaning rising. Like the rising. Of a new sun. Here's what the Hebrew picture paints. The rising of a new sun. On a new day. Of a new season. So what we need is not just another move of God. Or another good sermon. What we need is a new sun. On the, on the horizon of a new day. Oh, On the horizon of even a new season. You may not think this is very significant to prophetic fulfillment in the lineage of Jesus Christ, but if I can take you to Matthew chapter 1, you'll find that Matthew made diligent efforts to list the lineage of Jesus Christ to give validation to who he was as Messiah. So he listed the scarlet thread. And Abraham, verse 2, And Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judas and his brethren. And Judas begot Therese and Zerah. And it's the only place in the lineage of Jesus Christ where two names are listed on one level of lineage. So what Christ is saying, whether we caught it or not, He was saying for ultimate prophetic fulfillment, for the bloodlines to empty into the body in a Bethlehem major, you don't need just a breakthrough, but you need a new season that's got a started thread attached to it. But let me go a little further to explain what I mean by a season of the second travail. What I mean is Galatians 4 and 19. Paul says it like this. He said, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. But to understand to have a travail again, there must be an initial travail. So we go back to John 16 and 21, where the Bible says, When a woman is in travail, she has sorrow, for her hour is come. Let me just stop to say this. Do not let an emotional moment deceive you into thinking that it's not your hour. But it's actually an indication he said, a woman, when she's in travail, she has sorrow, for her hour has come. But when she, but as soon as she is delivered, to understand the second travail, you've got to understand the first. The first travail that Jesus spoke of, because her hour has come, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. For joy that a man is born into the world. The first travail... Is about remembering no more the anguish. So most times we live in the realm of the first travail. Where we just want a breakthrough. We want something to happen. Something to give. So that we can remember the anguish that it took to get where we are. And we live in our walks with God, just trying to have somebody get the Holy Ghost, some kind of break, something happen, just so it will validate us going through what we've gone through and facing what we've had to face. And we live in this constant state. God, something has got to give. Something has got to break. There's got to be revival some way, somehow. So I can forget. That's how most of us, we oftentimes come to church. Just let there be a good sermon, a good breakthrough, so I can forget the anguish of my life and what I've come from, what I had to face, the loss, the pain, the rejection. And we live like that. But God doesn't want you to live like that. He wants you to live with a second travail. I have my little children of whom I travail in birth again until... That means it's a season. Until Christ be formed in you. So the first travail is about you forgetting and getting over what you've gone through. Making sense of what you've had to endure. And the long life of loss and pain. And carrying the weight of the prophetic. We just want something to give. And what you've been living in this last while, you've been living and stuck in a first travail, but with no scarlet thread. But the second travail is not about forgetting, it's about formation. It's about Christ being formed in what you went through. Because that word formed, there's nowhere else in the, in the Bible that this tense of the full word formed is used. It's a very peculiar and very rare word in the New Testament. But it can only come through a second travail. It's when something that's been in the peripheral comes into focus. It's when something that you know is there all of a sudden strikes the eye. He said, I'm going to travail and birth again until Christ be formed in you. Now I'm going to step out and just do a little Bible study, okay? Is this Okay. Because I don't want to just live my life for God trying to forget. Just trying to make sense of me having to lose loved ones and having to receive rejection and all. I don't want to just live like that. Because Christ ought to be seen in what we've gone through and what we've faced. But he even goes on to say in Galatians 4 and 19. He goes on three verses later. And he says, did not Abraham have two sons? And begins to identify the second travail. Is this okay? Am I boring, y'all? Because I'm hungry. I'll quit right now. I just I All right, now he goes on and says, Did not Abraham have two sons? He goes to describe the two sons. The one's by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. He goes to say the first travail was Hagar, which gendereth the Mount Sinai, which was an allegory, he said. You catch all that? He said, Abraham and Hagar, which is our allegory for these two covenants, one from the Mount Sinai, which entereth the bondage, which is Agar or Hagar. So he said, Hagar was the mother of the first travail, but Mount Sinai likened her to Mount Sinai. Do you know what Mount Sinai gave birth to? Mount Sinai was the mount of the law. It, the first co- or The first travail gave birth to the law. And the law was given to them after they'd come out of slavery, after they came out of bondage, after they came out of what they were in. Slavery. They were born to be sons, but they were settling as slaves. But God brought them out and broke their water and brought them through a Red Sea. And they ended up at Mount Sinai. Or the mother of the first travail. And the first travail gave birth to the law. In other words, something to help them forget. I don't want God to just have to keep giving us breakthroughs to get us through. And to get our minds off of what He brought us out of. But if the first travail is about you coming out. The second travail. No, you didn't catch that. The first travail is about bringing us out. We've already been brought out. So the second travail is about you going in. Because there's a scarlet thread on the other side of Jordan. And guess what? It's going to be hanging out of a harlot's house named Rahab. I'm telling you there's a Rahab revival that's on the way, but you've got to get beyond just coming out, but you've got to go in. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. let me move on a little bit. I'll help you just a little bit more. Is this OK? Don't help me pre- All right. Watch now. Because there was another man. Let's make sure it's still on. I get down here. messing me up. I'm right in between the house and the... mess me up. But now, you go to Joseph. The story of Joseph. That Genesis 38 is sandwiched in the middle of the story of Joseph. Joseph was a man that had been re- rebuked by his father. Rejected by his brother and forgot about by those he was faithful. Lied on by those he was loyal to. And ended up in a pit somewhere. But after he got to that place of prophetic fulfillment. The Bible said he had two sons. I'm going to use pastor. Pastor's going to come help me. And I need his two eldest. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to embarrass you. We go places with pastor. I think I halfway embarrass him sometimes. I'm just too giddy. But we have fun. But this is Joseph. Now Joseph, he'd been gone through all that stuff. But he comes to a place where he's in position for prophetic fulfillment. Where God's going to set him in charge of a world harvest. Not because of his great charisma, but because of his wisdom. Just think about it. help and interpret other people's dreams. Isn't it funny that when Joseph shows up on the scene, he's got a gifting for dreams, but he has immature application of truth. Here's what God showed me. And that got him in a pit. But when he's in the pit, he learned his lesson. And he goes to those two guys that Butler and the Baker. They had their dreams and he don't go to say, Hey, I got a gifting with dreams. Here's what God showed me. He goes to them. He said, Hey, what God show you. And he helped interpret somebody else's dreams and his dreams were automatically fulfilled. Thank you for helping interpret somebody else's dreams and visions. And... But now, in a place, in a position, he has two sons, two children, two travails. And his first and eldest. Right? The eldest? Okay. Just making sure. I want to make sure. I don't want. The eldest, the first travail, Manasseh. Manasseh means the Lord has made me to forget. All of a sudden he gets his hands on this baby and he looks at it and says, oh, oh, thank you. Now I can forget. And we have things happen, moves of God. And we hold on. Oh, look, now I can forget all those nights of getting ulcers and in prayer and all the times I was fretting and worrying and I couldn't sleep, making myself sick. I can now forget. But then, he names his second, second travail, Ephraim, which means doubly fruitful, in the land of my affliction. Do I need to say that again? Because it's not enough for you to just be fruitful. Because just to be fruitful makes you saved. Because if you're not fruitful, He'll cut you down, whoo you out and throw you in the fire. But if you're doubly fruitful, He'll save you and make you useful. But now, because He don't want you to just forget and be saved, He wants to make you useful. And He'll use what you went through to make you useful. Now, hold on. But all of a sudden, in Genesis chapter 48, we find Joseph taking his two travails before his patriarch daddy and saying, Dad, I want you to bless my babies. I want you to bless my travails. And that father starts saying, well, son, you know, I had to go through some stuff. The Lord said he'd multiply me and he'll bless me. But on the way, he says, I want you to pull up Genesis 48 and verse 7. You ready? for? He said, as for me when I came from Padan, now he starts telling the Lord said he'd multiply me and the Lord said he'd bless me. And he says, as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way. Rachel was that woman that he'd worked for for seven years and ended up with the ugly little sister or Leah. Some say, I don't know who said it. Somebody said her, her name means tired eyes or something. Or she, I, I don't know. I don't know. what. But now, watch what he said. He worked for Rachel, but he ended up with Leah. Sometimes that's like pastoring. You work for a Rachel revival, but you end up with a Leah. But now, he worked for Rachel. Listen now. He worked for Rachel all these years. He put blood, sweat, and tears. And he said they were but days. I'm in love, but man, I just, that's saying a lot. Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way, but watch what he said. When yet there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. Ephrath is the singular form of Ephraim, which means fruitful. He said the Lord's going to bless me, multiply me but you got to understand something. While I was on the way to fruitfulness He said I buried her there in the by the way to Ephraim. He said on my way to fruitfulness I had to bury some things because God said He's going to multiply me. And guess what? You better deal with some stuff and bury it, finalize it, settle it because when He takes you into multiplication, He multiplies everything. So He's trying to save you the heartache and the headache. Just bury it. Deal with some stuff in your past, because He don't want you to have it multiplied. He said, I know it hurt. I know you lost some things, but He said, bury it on your way to fruitfulness. Because guess what? When God multiplies, He blankets stuff. So if you got hurt, you've got unforgiveness, you've got offense, you've got unsureties, you've got doubt, you've got unbelief, whatever it is, when you get in that place of multiplication, it will be multiplied. So he's telling Joseph, you got to deal with some stuff because you're about to go into a place of multiplication. I'm about to... Well, bring that verse back up. Genesis 48 and 7, he goes and says, on my way to fruitfulness, I had to bury some things. I had to settle some things. I had to deal with some stuff. But here's the thing. I buried her there in the way of Ephrath. The same is Bethlehem. Well, we don't understand and why we're not willing to bury some stuff, because we don't understand the burial place is the birthplace. Where he was willing to bury some stuff that became the birthplace where one season dies, another... Because we know that there was a baby born. The prophetic fulfillment, it ended up in a Bethlehem major. But that patriarch said, for there to be prophetic fulfillment, something's got to die. And you've got to bury it. My God, so wherever you and whatever you bury, that will be the birthplace of something new. Come on, let's clap our hands to Jesus right now. My God. And if you need some help, If you need some help tonight and you've not been washed in the blood of the Lamb, the Bible says that we are buried with Him in baptism. But just like I said, the Old Testament just brought us to Christ because the burial place is the So while we're buried with Him in the waters of baptism, He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water. That's where you settle the issue. That's where you deal with it. And you get it over and you forget. But now, here's where it gets good. You can be seated. Get ready because it's about to sweep in this house, Okay? It's just going to come on. You're not even going to get to come to the altar because it's just going to come. So get ready. Because this church is coming to the end of one season. It's about to enter into a new. But it's going to be up to you to bury what was so you can take on what will be. Because now Joseph, he brings his two travails to the Father. Now he's going to play the Father now. Stand up here on this right here so everybody can see I'll be Joseph. We'll switch roles. And he brought his two travails to his patriarch daddy to pass on what he had. And brings those two travails. And as they bring the true travails. Here you go, dad. Get as close as you can. Not that close. Just back to him. Back to him. And the Bible said that the patriarch took his right hand Predominant emphasis of blessing and what should have gone on Manasseh or the Lord has made me to forget. He did guiding his hands wittingly, put the emphasis on Ephraim, and then took the other hand. He said, I'm I'm gonna put the emphasis on you going forward so you can. Did you catch it? He said, if I can get you to move forward, if I can get you to focus and put the emphasis on you not only being saved, but becoming useful, that will help you to heal. That will help you to... So what God is doing, I believe in this back-to-school revival, the main predominant hand of the Father is being put on the future so we can move from... He's saying it's time for Antioch to have an emphasis on Ephraim. It's time for the emphasis to be upon your second travail so there can be a scarlet thread. But wait. But wait. But wait. But wait. But just like the story of Tamar, once that hand was extended, something happened in Genesis 48, just like in Tamar, where somebody resisted, somebody grappled and tried, and that hand, just like that, Joseph, with his main predominant hand, was on emphasis in on Manasseh. Get there, Manasseh. Put the other hand over here, Pastor Ray. All of a sudden, Joseph, because he did not understand the transition, it was unfamiliar, it was new territory, he'd never seen it like this before. He said, this isn't how it's supposed to happen. All of a sudden, in a prophetic moment of moving forward, somebody resisted. And Joseph, the Bible said, took the hand off of Ephraim. See what happens? When you resist in that moment of travail, when you resist in that moment of travail, you not only lift the hand off of your future, but it also lifts it off your past. And then now, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. And when you do that and you resist in that moment of travail, the hands lifted off of both travails. And now you begin to question everything and you begin to wonder if God even called you here. You begin to wonder about truth. You begin to wonder about everything that brought you this far because you resisted it. and it's seemingly you're in a a moment where the Father's hand is not on anything. So what I feel in the Holy Ghost, you've been in travail before, but somewhere along the line, somebody that didn't understand the transition resisted because it was unfamiliar. It was new territory. And the hand has been lifted. Lifted off of the area. Lifted off of... But how do we get the hand back down? I'm glad you asked. First Kings and 18. Elijah stands on Mount Carmel. To a generation that's halted between two opinions. And he calls fire down from heaven. And once he calls fire down from heaven. All of a sudden he rushes over into a position of travail. And the Bible says he throws himself to the ground. And he puts his head between his legs. And he looks over. He says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He said, the heavens have been shut, but they're about to open. And in that position of travail, he says to his servant, He said, servant, run up that mountain and see if you can see what I've heard. He runs up that mountain. And when he runs up that mountain, he comes back and he said, there is nothing. How many times has this church heard the sound of the abundance of rain? But you did not see what was said. You've climbed the mountain, but you didn't see what you thought you'd see. All of a sudden, he goes up that one time, but he comes back to Elijah, the prophet, on his knees in a universal position of travail, just like this body is being positioned. And he says to that prophet, that young man said, I didn't see what you said, pastor. I didn't see what you said, prophet. You've heard about the abundance, but I didn't see it. And he puts his head between his legs and he says, go again. Seven times, not telling him to go the mountain seven times, but in a season of travail, he says, "Go again, go again, go again, go again, go again, go again." And then that young man goes up the second time, putting the emphasis on the second time. Just like in the Bible, there's no holy, holier, holiest; it's just holy, holy, holy. He said, "Go again, go again, go again," because I know you've climbed that mountain before, and you. You didn't see what you thought you ought to see, but I'm telling you, go again. And on the seventh time, he said, I see a little cloud as of a man's hand. And when that cloud gets in place, you're going to see what was said. So I'm gonna tell Antioch on the plane for the plane ride over here. God spoke to me. I'm turning my face back towards the Antioch, and where my face is, my hand is sure to fall. So I've come to tell you, I know you've tried before and failed,
1: but go again. Go again, go again. Go again, go again, go again pray again fast again reach again go again go again that's it travail again travail again Come on, somebody, follow your face and go again. Oh.
0: Come on, Mothers of Zion. Thank you for being faithful in the first travail. But go
1: again. Come on, pray until you see that scarlet thread. Until you see the scarlet thread.
0: You may have came to this altar before, but nothing happened. Would you run out of your seat and climb that mountain one more time? Come on, young people. Let the travail of a past generation come on this generation. don't resist come on elders come on adults pray pray with these generations let your voice out
1: this is going to affect the whole body the whole body
0: it's going to take every one of us it don't matter who preached it don't matter who sang it's going to take all of us Come on, if you're not travailing right now, find somebody and become a midwife and tell them, go again. I know you tried and it didn't work, but go again. Come on, you're going to start that Bible study. You're going to rock that campus. Gonna be a daughter work. Ah! on, I see a hand. Come on, I see a hand. I see his hand returning. He did
1: ne ne Ine le murata Oh, 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 oh,
0: Come on, find somebody. Help them through it. Find somebody. Be a midwife in ministry. Go again. Pray with them. Uh. Pray with the Tamar. And say, this is it. This is your night! This is your season! Come on, this generation can travail. This generation can travail. Every young person lift your hands all over this place. You're about to hear the season of the second travail. It's gonna go from mama right. It's gonna come on down. Esther right travail. Come on, Antioch, go after that scarlet thread. Come on, Antioch, why don't somebody come
1: after this scarlet thread?
0: Come on, come out of your seat. If you need a miracle. Tonight's your season. Come on, go ahead and grab it, son. Go ahead and grab it. Ah, oh, there's something coming on you, boy. There's something coming on you. Go ahead and grab it. Let a hunger overtake you.
1: Not just a breakthrough anymore. But this is a rising of a new sun on a new day of a new season. This is it.
0: That's it, just let your voice out. It's on you right now, just let your voice out. No more English, let it go. Saturday, he
1: told a robocosira and a bacassie, he told a robocosira and a bayet, he told a robocosan and a bayet, he told a robocosan and Iru ruru mo
0: kurrare I
1: takai sa shana ba e Yobo-sa-ye ya shai shaka yobo sa Say, you you yeah.
0: Come on, I wonder if some more young people will come out of their seat and come out and grab this scarlet thread and say, I'm committing myself tonight to this travail. Go ahead, young lady. Go ahead, young lady. This is, I'm making up my mind. I'm going to bury it. And tonight is a burial of one season and the birthplace of another.
1: Jesus! Jesus! Come on, come here, Timothy.
0: Come on, Mama. Come and grab it. Come and grab it. Make up your mind. This isn't
1: just dad's, this is mine. This is a generation of a second travail. Come on, Kevin. Grab hold of it. Make it yours.
0: Come on, you chosen generation. Would you make it yours? Grab hold of that scarlet thread. Every ministry, every adult, would you, if you can, come up front and help with these young people travail? You've made it through the first. Would you help them with the second? Come on, elders, we need you. Come on, other congregations, we need you. This is one vision. This is one vision. There's only
1: one scarlet thread. There's only one scarlet thread.
0: in. Come on, press in. Come on, encourage this generation. Go again. Go to that school one more time. Go to your homes one more time. Go to that backslidden brother one more time. Pray for that lost child one more time. Come on, there's a spirit of a midwife in here. There's a spirit of a midwife in here. Come on, Elie Azar's in here. That comforter. Get ready. Put on the veil. You're not a widow. You're not a widow. You're a bride. No longer memory driven, but vision.